We are on the Gemara and Chaf on the base on 20b2 in the article of Gemara. And we are starting the third parak, the third chapter, the last chapter of Mesechas Chagiga, of this tractate of Chagiga. And as we pointed out uh, a couple of dapim ago, a couple of pages ago, the Mishnayos now are discussing a new topic. And this entire third to- chapter is a continuation of that topic that was started from the previous Mishnah which is all about Tummah and Tahara, purity and impurity, and also the differences between Truma and Kachim and Hulin, between regular food, Truma, which is the food that is from the crop that's given to the Kohen, and also Kachim, regular Kachim refers to the sacrificial offerings. And so the Mishnayos now and the Gemara is going to continue on that topic as well. And so... This Mishnah is going to describe and explain 11 differences between Kachim and Truma. And to show how Kachim, how the sacrificial offerings are more stringent than Truma in 11 different ways. And it seems to be that for all 11, these are all rabbinic stringencies. These are not, uh, it seems to be, at least for the vast majority of them. The Gemara will get into all the details, but it seems to be that these are 11 stringencies that we apply to Kudshim, that are stringencies that are for Kudshim and not for Truma. As we had in the previous Mishnah, that Kudshim is a higher level than Truma, we treat it on a higher level than Truma, and we'll go through these 11 differences. Please note that the Mishnah does not explain the reasons behind these laws, and it just states these 11 laws. And we will go through the Gemara. The Gemara will go one by one through these laws and explain the reasoning behind them. So we will just list these 11 differences for now. And then we'll actually analyze them as we go through the Gemara. So it might seem uh, strange, like strange laws to begin at the beginning or um, foreign concepts and ideas. And hopefully as we go through the Gemara, we'll have a better understanding of what exactly is going on. So let's go through these 11 different laws. The Mishnah says that there is a greater stringency with regards to Kachim, with regards to the sacrificial offerings, and that you have to make sure that you're Tahor, that you're pure on a higher level of purity, a higher level of, uh, 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 you have a higher concern that you're, you're, that you're impure, so you have to make sure that you're completely poor, uh, uh, pure, Tahor, and that's with regards to Kachim. There's a higher level of making sure that you're pure with regards to Kachim over Truma. In what way? So there are going to be 11 different ways. Number one, that there is a law that when it comes to truma, and also with regards to chul and regular food, certainly with regular food, that if you want to make a certain vessel, it was a vessel became impure. You want to make it pure, you have to put it into a mikvah. Now, if you have two utensils and you put one on top of the other, as long as water could reach between both, there's a, the concept when you go to the mikvah is that there can't be anything separating between the utensil and the water. It has to be, and the entire part of the utensil also, the way the way we hold in the end of the day, the entire part of the utensil, and the same thing is true with regards to when uh, people go into the mikvah to become pure, there can't be any separation between a person's body and the water, any separation whatsoever, and also between the utensil and uh, the water. And so if you put two utensils, one on top of another, into the, into the mikvah, it's fine as long as water could reach both utensils in its entirety. 
But this is only with regards to Truma. Kachim has a stringency and says you cannot put into the mikvah one kli into another, one utensil into another, and put it into the mikvah. Number two. Acharayim v'soch ubeis hatzvita batruma avalo bakodesh. That when you have a utensil, and we're going to get into the Gemara to discuss what type of utensil this is, but you have a utensil which has the inside, and then it has an outer layer, and then it has something called the base hatzvita, which the Gemara will explain what it is. We view them as separate vessels, separate really compartments, such that if one became impure, the other one is not impure. It does not automatically make the other one impure because it's not viewed as one entity. And again, this is referring to specifically uh, a rabbinic uh, tuma, a rabbinic form of impurity. If it's biblical, so then once it touches one part of the body or the utensil, so then that makes the entire uh, body or utensil impure. So what we're discussing here is a rabbinic one, which would not. And so with regards to truma, if you just... Uh, if only the outer part is impure, it doesn't doesn't make the entire vessel impure. The inside would still be pure, and so true with this base atzvita, which the Gemara will explain exactly what that is. Avalobe kodesh, but that's not true with regards to kodesh. With regards to kodesh for sacrificial offerings, we assume that once one part of the utensil becomes impure, it touch, it comes in contact with impurity, the entire vessel is impure. Number three, hanose es amidras, nose es atruma, avalo. As Hakodesh, that if somebody's hackering, holding in one hand, let's say the the uh, shoe of a Zav. A Zav is a man who has a very specific type of emission, um, not the regular seminal emission, but a different type of emission, which makes him impure. And if he's uh, if he's also another law with regards to that is that if he's wearing a shoe, so then the shoe also becomes impure. If a person's holding that shoe in one hand and then in the other hand. He is holding um, a an earthenware uh, earthenware utensil. So then we don't assume that there's a problem with that. You can carry the two together, but it's not true for Kodesh. When it comes to when you want to have a higher level of, of Tara, of purity, when it comes to Kodesh, we assume that you cannot hold a Kodshim on, with one hand, and on the other hand, you have this shoe that, that is already impure. And the Gemara will explain why. Number four. Big Deochle Truma Midras Lakodesh that the garment of those who eat Truma, this was the part of the Mishnah, the last Mishnah, and that's the connection between the last Mishnah and this Mishnah, that we had this in the last Mishnah, that those who eat Truma and they're careful about purity for in the levels of Truma, their clothing cannot come in contact with those that have a higher stringency with regards to purity. With regards to Tara, for somebody who is eating Kodesh, who is somebody who is eating the sacrificial offerings, they they do should not interchange clothing with somebody who is only on the level of somebody who only eats Truma, because there is concern that there is impurity there, there is Tuma there. Number five, Lokimidas HaKodesh Midas HaTruma, that there is differences between Kodesh and Truma as follows. Sheba Kodesh Matur Menagev Umatbil Vachrikach Kosher Ubatruma Kosher Vachrikach Matbil Kalim Period. Number five is that it's also with regards to the putting something into mikvah, like the first case, where uh, by Kodesh, what you have to do is that if you have a garment, you have to untie all the knots because we're concerned for what we mentioned before, something called a chatzitza, some, that the water won't get through everything. So you have to untie the knots. The garment has to be dry. We don't want to, uh, we, we're concerned that maybe if it's, if it's wet, then the wetness of the mikvah will not touch the entire garment with regards to the kachim. 
But with regards to truma, with regards to truma, and also certainly with regards to regular food, uh, and with regards to regular garments, um, if you you're allowed to have them tied, provided that the water could go through, as long as the water could go through in its entirety, you could have them tied. It could be wet, and we assume that the water of the mikvah is going to touch every single part of the garment, and we're not concerned. But we are concerned when it comes to kodesh. Number six, kalim hanigmarim betara. If you have a utensil which just became, it was you're making a utensil. So the entire time, the law is that until you actually make the utensil, it is not susceptible to impurity to to tuma. Only once it halakhically is defined as a kli, as a utensil. So only then is it ha- does it have the ability to become impure. Otherwise, it's just uh, it's a, basically a piece of junk, a piece of nothing until you actually make it into a utensil. So once you make it into a utensil. So then if you want to assume that it is tahor, that it's pure for kachim, it has to go, you have to put that into the mikvah. You would have to put that utensil and make it tahor, actively make it tahor and put it into the mikvah when it comes to kachim. Turning the page to 20 v3, but that's not true with regards to truma. Once you make the utensil, we assume when it comes to truma and regular food, that it's just automatically, there's no reason for, assume, for us to assume that it's impure. It's automatically tahor, but that's not true when it comes to, comes to kachim. By kachim, if you're making utensil, once you, once the utensil is already halakhically defined as a utensil, you would have to put it into the mikvah. Number seven. Hakli mitzarif masha besocho la kodesh, aval lo litruma. The case here is where you have one utensil, which has uh, different uh, slices of food in it. So let's say it has different slices of bread inside of it. So the law is that when it comes to kachim, that if you touch one of those pieces, even though they're not touching each other, but they're all within one basket, so then once you touch one, they're all add up and they're all automatically impure. But that's not true with regards to truma. If you touch one, if they're not touching, even though they're all in the same basket, it doesn't make all of them impure. That's number seven. Number eight. This is a concept that we have been discussing that we uh, hinted to in the past, that when it comes to kachim, kachim could become impure as a fourth degree from the original source. So let's say you have the original source, somebody who's a zav, a man who's a zav, who has this emission, and then he's called the primary. Then a person could touch that, that makes him the rishon lutoma, the first degree. A second degree is food could become second degree, any food whatsoever. Third degree is truma, Truma, which is the food for the Kohanim, which we're discussing in this Mishnah, could be could become impure through a third degree contact, and Kachim is more stringent. It could already it could even become impure through a fourth degree contact with the original source. And that's uh, the eighth law here: the difference between Truma and Kachim. Number nine, Uba Truma. When it comes to Truma, Imnit Mis Achaz Miyadav Chaver Te Tahora Uba Kodesh Matbil Shtehan Shayad Metamis Es so if your hand touches something which has a rabbinic impurity, if it has a biblical impurity, if your hand touches it, your whole body is impure. But on a rabbinic level, certain cases where if your hand touches it, so then it has a rabbinic impurity. So when it comes to truma, if it touches your one hand, so then we don't assume the other hand is also impure. We don't say the other hand is impure. You just have to wash that one hand. Again, this is a case where we know that one hand touched a rabbinic level of impurity, and only that hand is impure. The other hand is still tahor, it's still p- pure. However, when it comes to Kodesh, once one hand is impure, the other hand is also impure. And again, the Gemara will discuss that case as well. 
Number 10. Ochlin, ochlin, neguvim, biadaim, musuavos, betruma, avalo, bekodesh. This means, just as a background, when it comes to food, when it comes to, uh, let's say, produce, it can only be susceptible to impurity. It can only become impure if liquid, a specific type of a liquid, goes onto it after it is removed from the ground. This is something I believe that we've discussed in the past. And so, until liquid actually goes onto it, it cannot become impure. And so that's what it's teaching you here. When it comes to truma and also regular food, if your hands are tame, let's say your hands are impure, you could touch the food provided that it was never wet, that it never got wet from uh, from water or from other liquids like uh, milk or wine, that if it's just completely dry, it was always dry the entire time, so then impure hands can touch it and the food does not become impure. But that is not true when it comes to kachim. When it comes to kachim, it is not true, and we'll see why, that even if it's completely dry, you still have to make your hands pure, make your hands tougher. Moving on to Chaf Aleph and Aleph, one more line, 21a, the 11th difference between kachim and truma. Ha'onein umechosar kipurim trichan tefila lakodesh avalo latruma. What this is discussing here is an onen. An onen is somebody who is in the state of, wouldn't call it mourning, but it's after a person, a very immediate relative passes away before the burial. So that's called the state of aninos. And in that state of aninos, the Torah tells us that such a person who's called an onen, they're not allowed to partake in sacrificial offerings. They're not allowed to eat from the sacrificial offerings. Um, and so such a person... And also a Mechusar Kippurim. Mechusar Kippurim is somebody who became pure, depending on who the person is, let's say a Zav, the same Zav they're referring to who has this emission. So he goes to the Mikvah on the seventh day. He's not done yet. In order for him to become completely pure in the times of the Temple, he had to then bring a Korban, he had to bring a sacrifice. So what we're discussing here is somebody who already went to the Mikvah, but just didn't bring that sacrifice yet, which he brings on the next day. So again, these two different people, two, two completely different scenarios. One is an onin where somebody is not able to eat kachim. They're not allowed to eat from the, take, partake in the sacrificial offerings because they're in between the death and the burial of an immediate relative. And also somebody who's mechoser kippurim, somebody who went to the mikvah, a totally different case. They went to the mikvah and they still have to bring a sacrificial offering to, in order to become completely pure. So we say, The law is... That in order for them to eat kachim, let's say for the onen, after the burial, even if he doesn't touch the body, he doesn't become impure by touching the body. If you touch a, the body of a, of a dead person, or even if you're in the room of a dead person, uh, so then you become impure. But let's say the cases where he doesn't, he doesn't even become impure, just the very fact that he's an onen, he's not allowed to partake in the sacrificial offerings, in order for him to get back into it and, and partake in the sacrificial offerings, he has to go to the mikvah. That applies to kachim, but not to truma. This doesn't apply to to truma, uh, where they don't have to go to the mikvah in order to eat truma again. And also with regards to the person who's mechoser kippurim, that they went to the mikvah, they were impure. They went to the mikvah, they still have to bring it to a certain type of impurity where they have to bring a korban in order to become pure. They have to bring a sacrificial offering to become pure. We say that after they bring the sacrificial offering, then they have, again they have to go to the mikvah. They went to the mikvah already, they have to bring the sacrificial offerings, and then they again they have to go to the mikvah. That's in order to eat kachim, in order to eat eat from the sacrificial offerings, but this, none of this applies to truma. This wouldn't apply to truma. You wouldn't have to go to the mikvah again afterwards.
Okay, that concludes the 11 differences between Truma and Kachim, and then we will go through each one in the Gemara on its own to get a better understanding of each case.